Welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And on this latest stop of the mission, we'll be spending time with 1992's South African musical drama Serafina, based on Mbogini's Nagima's 1987 musical of the same name. But before we get to that and find out if freedom is indeed coming tomorrow, Mr. Webb, we have some business to attend to. We do have business to attend to, Vince. Thank you very much. We uh, are streaming live as we speak, ladies and gentlemen. We are video streaming on Facebook in the Michelle Mission Facebook group, as well as on YouTube on the Michelle Mission channel. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering what these two old fogies look like, subscribe to us on YouTube. Join the Facebook group. And then you can see exactly what two black graybeards look like when they are talking about movies. There um, you go. And who doesn't want to see that? Who doesn't? We have gotten a couple more podcast reviews, Vince. Oh, oh indeed. Ooh. On Apple Podcast, uh, we heard from Hector Hector. Hey, Hector Hector. So nice. He named himself twice. Five stars. Love what you guys are undertaking. Big fan of the host rapport, sometimes left field observations, and commitment (laughs) to the premise of the show. Let the record show the left field is actually on the field, though. It is. It is. (laughs) It's sometimes out there by the bleachers, but we're still on the field. But it it is in play. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. It's within the foul lines. That's right. Uh, he continues, I always leave an episode with much insight and tons of surprises. Thanks for all your work on something that is not covered in much of cinema discussion, let alone in the pod world. Oh, well, you're very welcome, Hector. Thank we you, also, sir. We also heard from Arcona. Five stars. Hi, Arcona. Thank you. This is an excellent movie discussion podcast. I especially appreciate that their opinions on films will sometimes surprise you. Example. Ha I did not expect them to love Django Unchained, and yet my expectations were shattered by their honest and passionate examination of the film's themes and its relationship to the black community. This is really good stuff, folks, and you should be listening. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And we heard just today, Vince... From hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. On Tyler Perry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The lightning rod. <laughs> you guys give Tyler a lot of grief. You categorized <laughs> Tyler as disliking women, but I yes. feel he exhibits self-loathing instead. Every wealthy man in his mm. film are evil and abusive individuals, except one, Tyler, when playing Mr. Deeds. Completely unbelievable. If we are to believe (laughs) Tyler, the only good men are the working poor whom black women should just be happy with. 
But yes. Who is, but who is Tyler? A multimillionaire who represents the quote unquote wealthy protagonist in his movies, even using his own home in Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Keep up the thoughtful analysis. Isaiah Taylor. Oh, thank you, Isaiah. I don't know. I don't think Tyler Perry thinks of himself as one of one of our overlords. I think Tyler Perry really sees himself as one of the people, regardless of how much money he gets. But but that is that that you know, I think the great thing about Tyler Perry at this point is that everyone has their own reading of Tyler Perry. Right. Isaiah uh, apparently has fallen in love with the show because oh, okay she also left us an, an email okay excellent hey Isaiah, good to hear from you again hey fellow terp slash baltimore resident oh and len um <laughs> <laughs> That's you. I feel. <laughs> and Peggy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nice Hamilton drop there. You like that, right? It's a, yes. I'm the Peggy of the Michelle you're, Mission, you're, ladies you're, and gentlemen. You're Peggy. I get to be Angelica and Eliza. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to read the rest of her email. Anyway, <laughs> she continues. Just found your podcast three weeks ago. Absolutely love it. I listen at one and a half speeds to get more shows in. Finally oh. caught up with you and wanted to suggest a selection from Iceberg Slim, Trick oh, Baby, okay. Mama Black Widow, or Iceberg Slim Portrait of a Pimp. Keep up. Are those movies? Work. Are those movies? I don't. Who knows? He, he, uh, I I certainly don't believe they were feature films, but they could, right, they right, could right. Been, he, he could have done some type of a movie adaptation of them. We'll have to check them out. Yeah, absolutely. We also heard an email from Monique Granby. Long time no no hear from. What's up, Monique? Hey, what's up, Monique? I am so behind on your podcast. I'm working on two scripts. Unlike the idiot, I want my Applebee's, sorry, not wearing a mask, cause freedom, etc. I'm keeping my behind <laughs> in the house. I, I know that's right. I've gotten behind in listening, but I still ride hard for you guys. Just wanted to check in. Given the moment, gave you guys a shout out on my social media. Figured while our new allies are seeking understanding, wanted you to be included in that education film is a mirror of our society on so many levels for those who may not be drawn to a book film can fill that void of understanding i feel your in-depth perspectives on black film um even acrimony sorry it's a pad love thing for that <laughs> film but i i truly believe you guys are integral to the understanding of black culture via film especially as we embark on this new normal much love and blessings to you and your families mo Hey, Monique. Thank you. Good to hear from you, too. Keep doing the work, Mo. Work on them scripts. Yes, please do. Please do. Speaking of scripts, uh, Vince, dipping into our Facebook group 
Uh, did you know or did you hear or see, however, however you want to take it, that um, there, have you heard of the plague Nerderlongs? Nerderlongs. I, I had not until recently, and now, I heard plague, of them because. Well, we well I had heard of them. I don't know how many of you, ladies and gentlemen, have heard of the plague plague nerd logs. And what these are are during this this weird time when we're all in the house, um, you know, uh, social distancing from one another's the plague nerdologues which began back in may of 2020 is a way for your favorite actors uh and of uh, from you know genre television and cartoons and things like that to keep their muscles you know and fine tune they have been doing videos of them reading some of their scripts from some of the movies that they've been favorite movies they've been in or um even getting together to do like see original scenes from your favorite cartoons and things like that uh there had been um uh yatidi badaki who is known from uh american gods she uh did a reading of morpheus from the matrix uh nice very nice right you had um um, oh, oh! David Blue did the Joker from from Dark Knight. Um, Yvette Nicole Brown um, portrayed Lady Olenia from A Game of Thrones. Uh, oh man, so so many! And recently, you know, friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, Ryan Sands. Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is uh, Ryan Sands, Red. Jefferson Davis from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the Academy Award winning feature nice. animated film. So nice. Uh, reading, nice. And, and I believe in the film that role was read by, was that Mahershala Ali? No, no, no. Mahershala Ali played his uncle. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Brian, um, I just forgot his na- last name. My man from Atlanta. Oh, uh, uh, Robert Tyree Henry. Right, right, right. Brian, um, Brian Tyree Henry. Tyree yeah. Henry. Yeah, he right, played right, right. um his uh, dad. Jefferson yeah, he Davis. played his dad. Yeah. Well, Ro- yeah. Ryan Sands has done a plague nerdalog where he is doing the voice of Jefferson Davis from uh, scenes in Spider Man into the Spider Verse. So you can check it out. Very on YouTube. nice. Check it out on YouTube. Go to the Plague Nerdalogs. That's really dope, and it's good to see. Um, I, I, I'll be interested. I haven't checked it out yet. I've gotta, I've gotta check it. I've gotta check it out. Brian Tyree Henry definitely has a very distinct voice. I, I, I love almost everything that he does. But Ryan, you know, last seen on the, on on the Runaways on uh, net, uh, not Netflix on Hulu. Hulu, uh, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I, I'll be interested to see him uh voicing that character i'd be interested to see him vo- doing some voice work he's got he's got to be yeah to yeah himself. yeah and i know he got a kick out of it because he's a big old nerd like us he's a big yeah, yes yes that's <laughs> so, why we enjoyed so, hanging out with him he is a huge yeah nerd. yeah yeah Most good definitely. job it's a good look definitely um 
We're going to be reviewing Serafina today, ladies and gentlemen. But if, unless you've been living under a rock, there's actually been another film uh, that that dropped this weekend, this past Friday on yeah, Disney+. Yeah, Plus. yeah. They featured the feature film debut of Hamilton, the yes. stage musical that rocked the nation when it hit the Broadway stage, I believe in 2000, was it 2015 or 2016? I think Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. A winner of innumerous uh, Tony Awards. Well, that mm-hmm. original cast um, has a filmed presentation of the stage play that dropped on Disney Plus this Friday, and it has been on everybody's lips all yeah. weekend long. Uh, now, Vince, you are someone who has seen the the stage production. You didn't see it with the original cast, though. Right, right. right. I've, yeah, right. I've never seen the original cast, but but I've seen two productions of it. Right, and you're and you're a devotee of the cast album. Well, you know, it's it's a version of Jules in Pulp Fiction where he says his girl is a vegetarian, which kind of makes him a vegetarian. Right. <laughs> like my two favorite girls, like my daughter and my wife are huge Hamilton people. So mm-hmm. like everybody in the house is a Hamilton person now. Gotcha. <laughs> So, gotcha. That's pretty much how it works. So, uh, so did you watch the the film this weekend? I did, but more importantly, did you watch the film this weekend? I did. I. Did. I mean, I, you're you're the Ham you're the Hamilton virgin. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, um, and uh, I did sit down. I watched the film. Um, I'm not a big musical person. Even I know, which is why, yeah. Every time I say that, I then rattle off about good five musicals <laughs> that I like. Uh, but um, I sat down to watch this, and I really enjoyed it. I I, mm-hmm. I really had a good time. I could see what all the hype was about this, about the uh, the play. I could see the energy, the choreography, the dancing, the the staging, um, and to think that all of those and and it's a true musical. Like there are all I don't think there's any spoken line of dialogue in this movie. Everything is in verse. Right? Right. And right. specifically almost all in hip hop verse. So Right. Yeah. It, it was just um it was an amazing accomplishment um and it was a, uh, an amazing performance and i enjoyed it like most musicals especially when you see them on the stage little long little, oh yes yeah, oh yeah it's long yeah you but it flows but it flew it it does, it does yeah, flow real yeah, you does. look up and you're like oh my goodness 2 hours have gone by Right, and now I'm in for a penny yeah. for a pound. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, there were some parts of, of it that rubbed me the wrong way, and in, and I purposely didn't really like even when the move, even when the play hit. I just heard all the accolades, but I never read any reviews about it. Right? Right. Because I because in my mind, I'm, well, I'm going to go see it one day, and I just never got around to seeing it. And then right. when I heard about the movie. 
I didn't want to read any reviews. I just want to take it in. So I took it in. And now having taken it in, I now have license to go back and read some reviews of the stage play and, and now even some reviews of the film, right? And there, right. Were, there were some things that rubbed, that people bumped up against that I bumped up against as well, right? There okay, was some, such and, as? Well, I, I think the biggest thing... Two things. Two things. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is not the strongest singer on right. by, by far in this, right, right. In this uh, performance. You can definitely tell the he's the one that wrote it. You can definitely tell he's the one that wrote it. And, and considering that he is the one that wrote it, it is an amazing feat because I think right. it is fantastic writing. No, no, no. I mean, you can tell he wasn't cast because of his talent. Oh, right, right. Well, okay, yeah, because I don't. Because he's not the strongest singer. He's not the strongest right. dancer. Um, right, and he probably is not the strongest actor either. Right, right. And he's a nice MC if David Diggs isn't on stage with him. Okay, but I think that's necessarily true about all of them. All right, right, right. I mean, I don't think none of them, you know, rhyming wise, is going to touch Diggs. Uh, on, right. on the microphone, which is why he's the only one that actually drops the mic in this joint. Right. But um, but he's still he's still he he gets over a line. He gets over a line. Sure, sure, sure. My my big thing though is that because he's not the strongest performer, especially and especially his singing, and especially in the second half of the performance, which I think is more emotionally gripping because I think the the lens narrows more into his life as opposed to the first half which is a little bit more broad because it's about the revolution Um, as that focus narrows in on him and he's asked to do more acting wise as well as emotionally in his singing I think that is to slight detriment to the performance because he is not as strong a singer and now you're asking him tired from the first half to now right. e- to be able to bring more even more uh, 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 emotion into now this second half you know what I mean so okay. I th- so I think at times in the second half he's a bit of a he's a he's a bit of a letdown don't get me wrong I think he's still doing gr- good work um, but I just think he he is the weak link of of the performance. Yeah. He's um, just surrounded by people who he's are just surrounded by amazing, such amazing, amazing, right people, man. Um, yeah. Uh, but then the other thing that I bumped on, and it made me wonder how accurate this is, because you know, and you know, they've got to massage this stuff for for absolutely the, for the uh, for the writing and for the story of it. Is that the women's role in this in this world and thus in this performance is very i th- i found lacking and where it doesn't lack i found it troubling because where there where the women are given more to do it is almost always in commentary to their feelings about a man 
whether, sure. whether sure. it be about uh, and mostly about Alexander Hamilton. Right, or, right, of course. And um and I found that I found that a little I I, I bumped on that uh a little bit. You know what I mean? Like right, right. like it made me wonder, okay, how accurate is it that you know, Eliza is into Alexander Hamilton, but Angelica was into Alexander Hamilton from afar, especially when just based on the script of the the play, all of her feelings about Alexander seem to be left unsaid. It's, it's not like right. there's any moment where she emotes this to him so we're led to believe that they actually had a conversation about it so it it's all in her head so that made me wonder okay is that really just a creation for the stage for the story or is that something that he actually pulled from the from the history books and i know that this he uh this right it's kind of like based on a book it's not really right based on 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 the biography that um i forgot the guy's name who wrote it but but yeah yeah, so I didn't know yeah. whether not, so I don't know whether or not it was pulled from there. And forgive me, I didn't go and do the, the no, research right. so much on that. But just the fact that that was there, it, it it really bumped against me. And and I saw that that was something that a lot of people had a problem with. A lot of uh, it stuck out to a lot of people. Sure, sure. I mean, you, you know, in in your defense, you've been in Hamilton world now for what two days? Uh, not even. Well, yeah, two not days, even. Yeah, cause I saw it not even yeah, two yeah. days. Yeah, and and you know, as you know, once people get in, it's like you said, in for a penny, in for a pound. People turn into these Hamilton scholars all of a sudden. Well, that's true. where that's where you true. know they read this stuff. I, well, the, the direction I thought you were going to go when you start talking about the story in the history, and and this is something that I've been fascinated by over the past few days, including a conversation that the missionaries have been having is, Mm -hmm. is how the story and I'll use your word massages history. Right. And kind of bends history. And what does it mean to have this play, especially in 2020 when we're talking about statues, when we're talking about um, the names on buildings, when we're talking about the founding fathers, if you will, Mm-hmm. We have this play that in a lot of way glamorizes some people who are, you, you know, kind of reprehensible, in, in, including Alexander Hamilton. You, you know, just just That's one. That's true. That's true. Just one detail. The, the, the play would have you think that he was a bit of an abolitionist because, you, you know, he's he's a he's this kind of scrappy immigrant and and he's for the little guy. But. He gets problematized pretty quickly when you realize that part of the reason that Philip Schuyler was a millionaire was because he was a slave trader. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and, you know, they we don't touch on that at all. And it is it is kind of weird watching it. And like, I actually don't have a problem with the Thomas Jefferson depiction, because I do think David Diggs gets across that Thomas Jefferson is a little venal and and in a bit. But Chris Jackson's George Washington is like this epic figure. That's true. Who who, you know, and I will say this about 
about the phenomenon and and I joked a moment ago with you about well you've been in Hamilton world for two days Mm -hmm. I think the further you get into it I, I think almost from the beginning you go back to 2016 2017 you look at interviews with the cast you look at interviews with Lin Manuel Miranda they've been very forthright about that tension yeah, and that's true. and 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 about you know what this means to have these black and brown actors inhabit these roles, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, Chris Jackson. I've read several interviews with him where he talks about being George Washington and how how he brings this dignity and this beauty to this man who is you know if you're black, G- George Washington is is again problematic at best but i think the the sheer artistry of it can't be denied i think we can argue whether or not as you and i have argued about many projects whether or not this talent could have been utilized in another project mm-hmm. but the talent is undeniable oh, the yeah. talent is undeniable so i'm glad you saw it I am too. I am too. Um, I w- I will tell you that uh, having watched it, uh, Deborah Battle hit us up on YouTube, and she says that Hamilton and Angelica Angelica only flirted with each other, only in the letters. Not many would have looked up the history if not for the play. That is very true. That's very true. And Aaron exactly. Fry, Aaron Fry asks, so you're calling Lin Manuel Tyler Perry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> That is terrible, Aaron. That is That's absolutely terrible. terrible. Yeah, we're not Go stand in a corner and think about what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you shouted out Chris Jackson as um as uh George Washington. Uh, George Washington because I thought he was I thought he was outstanding. Um and as someone who having not watched Hamilton Right. Yeah. My introduction to Leslie Odom Jr. was yes. In the wake of Hamilton, mm-hmm. he did he did a um, I think it was oh. a nationwide commercial where he's singing nationwide. Yes. And yes. And, and I thought I thought, wow, that's a beautiful voice. I, I, I can see why people are falling in love with Hamilton. So now. Yeah. Uh, and then, and the thing is, I had heard the cast album, but I never knew which role he played, so I never knew which voice sure. was his. You know what I mean? Sure. So now, having seen it, that dude is no joke. <laughs> oh, Leslie Odom, homeboy. You know he's a Philly dude. I know. I know. Yeah, Philly he dude. No, yeah, Philly he dude. Is no joke, man. Uh, Leslie Odom beast. is is a beast. Room where it happens, and one last time are my two joints. Well, that you know, gun in ships. You know, people were. At, I saw like uh, a little thing. People were talking about um, rating uh, their favorite Hamilton song. There's actually a podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, we got this. They just did an episode where talking about uh, they're arguing what is the best Hamilton song. And yeah. the the real one that happens is definitely one that everybody. <sighs> Yeah, goes away. You know, you're just singing it and, and humming it and everything like that. But um, the when he sings "Wait for it," yeah, oh, yeah, 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 
That is no joke. That's no joke. But you know what? I want to I want to show some love, and I don't know how much love this person is giving. So I'm going to th- show some love because it's the first time for me. Renee Elise Goldsberry. Come on, come on, man. You must not even you must not listen to our episodes. No, I've no, been no, talking no. about Renee Elise Goose. Come on, man. Come on, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you are not going to Columbus, Renee Elise Goldsberry, <laughs> on this show. You are not going to Columbus, that sister. I'm about to go get a statue of Lynn Webb and throw it in the harbor. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Vince. Now, mind you, we have given her props on this show before. No, no, no. I have given her props. Me. Wait a minute. I gave her props, too. Right, for um Altered Carbon. For but Altered I'm saying, Carbon. Yeah, from, from, from the get down to Altered Carbon... To don't oh yeah go ahead go ahead Here, tell me about her Lynn tell me about I, this exciting I, 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 let me school you Vince Renee yes, Elise yes, tell Goldsberry me about, <laughs> oh really tell me is she which one does she, she play Lynn she is the find <laughs> of the century ladies and gentlemen is she now <laughs> she she's about Angelica <laughs> oh oh she plays in is, is that oh don't tell me more Lynn Edu- educate me. <laughs> She plays Angelica in Uh huh. <laughs> does she? Look at you sailing the ocean blue. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who are you gonna tell me about next, Lynn? Now you know who got talent. You ever heard of this woman named Anika Noni Rose? <laughs> Now, Nigga Noni Rose, that's somebody for you. Yes, t- tell you me, heard, Vince. I don't know if you heard, Vince, but Renee Elise Goldsberry is in Hamilton. She is plays she Angelica. Now? Is she? <laughs> she is a, I mean, I loved her on Alter Carbon, and I heard, like, oh, she was in mm. Hamilton. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yo, she is amazing, dog. Like, is she? <laughs> every time, I swear to you, every single time she sang a note, I felt a fluster in my cheeks, man. She mm. is she is amazing. I haven't felt like that watching someone sing on stage. Um Oh my God! Uh, it's since since like uh, I can't even think of when, man. She mm. it, it just left me, just just left me numb, man. She was incredible. She was incredible. You you know how much of a beast she is. She needs. This to get is how work. much. This is how much of a beast she is. So you know her big song is of course. Um, Is of course uh, satisfied, yes. Which is you know where she she's talking she's telling her part of of meeting Alexander Hamilton, right? And she sings it, but then she also has she she raps. Yes, kills the it. Hamilton the ham the Hamilton mixtape is kind of covers of the Hamilton songs. Mm-hmm. They had to get two different people to do her song, so Miguel sang really? her part. And then Queen Latifah, and then Queen Latifah rapped her part. 
because they had to find two people to do her part. They needed two people to match the talent of one Renee Elise Goldsberry. Yes, 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 Lynn. She's quite and the one talent. of those. Thank you for. One thank of you those for people telling me about is her. Maybe one of those people is maybe the greatest female rapper of all time, and yet they they needed to get her just to approximate the rapping performance just, of one Renee Elise Goldsberry. Deborah Battle says that she's been a fan of Renee since she was on One Life to Live and Ally McBeal as a background uh, singer. Uh, and uh, uh, Viv says Goldsberry is in Alter Carbon season one or two, so y'all can check that out, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Get up on y'all, Renee yeah. Elise oh, yeah. Goldsberry. You know, oh yeah, and, oh yeah. And tell them, and tell them that Len sent you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she also played the Donna Summer type character in the Get Down. Oh, and she was in the Get Down too. And yeah. she was in this great episode of Documentary Now, which is the um, documentary spoof series off of IFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I- I'm-, I'm glad you brought it to our attention, Lynn. Glad you brought it to our attention. You ever see Jasmine Guy on this show called A Different World? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. I learned so much doing this show with you. I am an educator. So next. (laughs) (laughs) So next, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into our our main (laughs) review, uh, I told you last week about a film from 1959 that is streaming on Turner Classic Movies right now. Uh, it is yes. called. It is. It is a, a little film called Black Orpheus. Now, Black Orpheus is a romantic tragedy made in Brazil back in 1959 by French director Marcel Camus and starring Marpisa Dawn and Bruno Mello. Um, and it it, it basically it's it, it set around the time of Carnival in Rio in 1959, mm-hmm. and more or less tells the the retells the legend of right. Orpheus and is it, mm-hmm. it is it Eurydice? I'm, I'm, I never knew how to pronounce the woman's name. Um, I think it's Eur- Eurydice. 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 Mm-hmm. And their and their yeah, tragic Eurydice. their tragic love story, but it's set right. in Rio. And this is a film right. that is um, has been chronicled by the Criterion Collection. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. Beautiful print, uh, heralded for being f- for its for its soundtrack, for its music. Uh, That's right, and as well as I think, because it in in many ways is a time capsule of Rio in 1959. Right, um, right. And having introduce wa- Western. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, you no, know, no, because you're you're the you're the 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 scholar on this, as you own the Criterion Collection copy of it. I, I was just going to say introduce Western audiences to ba- bossa nova, mm-hmm. bossa nova music. Yeah, which is so. Which but go is ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Throughout the film, I mean, it, it, yeah, 
they, they advertise it as a musical. It's not so much a musical, but music plays a big part as it is yes. the very much the drive of this of this movie. Uh, so much so that it, it only dawned on me um, as we were nearing the end that there's no real there's no score to this film. Right. That's Yet right. You you feel the music because it is it is always being played in the city streets everywhere you yeah. go in this film. Um and it, it's a, it's a movie that look it's it's a little long. I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a, it's it's a I'm little sure. sure. It's a, it and there are parts of it that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. All of a sudden, this Spider-Man figure shows up in the middle of this movie, bouncing all around. Um, but when you realize that this is an adaptation of a exactly. centuries-old tale, or, or exactly. somebody might even say fable, um, yeah. and, and just lose yourself to the theme of that. Exactly. And if you just lose yourself honestly to the very earnestness of most of the performers in this film, mm-hmm. many of them first time performers, um, especially some of the young children that are in this right, movie, right. uh, and lose yourself to the cinematography, the music, the energy, the atmosphere, the scenery, the um, it's it's a an experience that I yeah. I think everyone should take in. Yeah, I agree. I think experience is is the best word for it. I think it is lush, mm-hmm. it is vibrant, it is otherworldly. It is a film that it is a film that I have loved for years. You know, as you said, and and I, you know, you talked about it being long. I almost don't even look at it as a film. You, you know, it's almost just just sort of it's is just just sort of almost a moving painting, even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be, because, like you said, the the, the plot doesn't make sense. You, you shouldn't even be paying attention to the plot. And I know we're kind of trained to watch movies to pay attention to yeah. the plot, but but you really do have to give yourself to it. Now, I think what is interesting or or what will be interesting by the end of the episode as we talk about Serafina is whether or not this is something that was created to exoticize, if you will, these other people. Like we always kind of talk about who is the audience for this. Like who is who is this actually made for? And I do think after doing this for so long, I am always very aware of this sort of white gaze. And is this okay. something that was made that is supposed to be this? You, you know, because I do think it is lush. I do think it is otherworldly. I, I do think it is sort of, this this almost tone poem but mm-hmm. i do also have to wonder is that is that part of my americanness like looking at these foreign brown people doing this foreign stuff 
and it's exotic mm-hmm. and they're speaking a funny language and and the music. But I, I, having said that, I think you kind of have to acknowledge that. Yeah. But once you acknowledge it, uh, you, you know, I do think that it, it is it is this breathtaking film. It really is. And, and I, you know, I try and watch Black Orpheus once every year or so. Just to kind of give myself to it. Yeah, I could I could dig that. Um, it's I will say I'll this is a, I'll leave it on this note. The last and I guess it may be two minutes of this movie. The last two minutes of this movie may be some of the most joyful moments I have ever watched on a film and or experienced watching a movie a movie the last two minutes mm-hmm. of this movie just felt just made my heart sing it made my heart sing yeah. it was it was just so joyful um and so poetic uh it was like wow you know whatever misgivings I had about the movie which were very slight to be fair, um, mm-hmm. would just just flew all away right there at the end. Great movie. Give yourself to checking out the Black Orpheus. It's from 1959, ladies and gentlemen, but it is in color for those who are adverse yeah. to black and white. It is in color, sure. Um, and the print that the Criterion print that they are showing streaming on TCM is 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 beautiful. It's beautiful. That's that was going to be my question. I wanted to know what print were they showing. Because the the crisper the print, the greater the experience. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, yeah and it's going to be on there yeah, to the 18th. Fantastic. That's a free plug for them. It's on the 18th yeah. and, uh, of this month. So you got a few more days. Go check it out. All right? Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right, ladies Boy, and gentlemen. Boy, I tell you, Hamilton, what? Black Orpheus, you, you, you had quite the cultural weekend. <laughs> I did. I did. I, L- I did. La-di-da. Look at Lynn. I did have a cultural weekend. And the last thing that I discovered this weekend, Vince, I know okay. you have been one who has poo-pooed my choice of movie snacks. Pretzel bite. <laughs> are, 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 are you about to tell me like you discovered popcorn? Ah, I've discovered something better than popcorn. Okay, what is it? I have discovered what, and I'm putting it out here right now. <laughs> I will be sneaking into the movie theaters Easy. once, once the <laughs> once the screens reopen. I, Len the Bat Trouble, will return to the movie theaters, and and taking with me <laughs> Snyder rounds. Oh my. Snyder God. rounds, ladies and gentlemen, which are mini pretzel balls dipped in butter. Oh <laughs> my God, Vince. So, so funny story. I'm listening. When me and when me and Wendy first start dating. Like one of our first dates, like I went over to her apartment and we were just sort of hanging out and she said, you know, do you want some snacks? And she brought out a bowl of pretzels Mm -hmm. and they were the driest pretzels 
Like they would have dry. And I sat and I ate them dry ass pretzels. <laughs> and that was like one of the first moments where I said, well, this might be going somewhere because there's no way I'd be sitting here eating these pretzels for no reason. <laughs> like, you know, like the big Amish pretzels. Mm-hmm. I know. know. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But if they were Snyder's you know, rounds, you, Vince, mini pretzel balls, and they were dipped, dipped in butter, butter. <laughs> that might that might have been. Oh, my friend, <laughs> you might not have married Wendy, and you might have married yourself a bag because I might have run off with the pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe my third bag this week, this weekend. <laughs> and right, there's, right. There's there's easily. A thousand mini balls in every bag, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Look. All right, that that's enough free advertising. That that's enough of that. Between Turner Classic Movies and Snyder, you're just giving away money. Mmm, they're buttery delicious. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Snyder knows our cash app if he wants some more. Um. <laughs> He wants some more information. And wash it down they with, can a run Nantucket, a- with a Nantucket necklace. Uh, no, <laughs> see, see, right, exactly. Yeah, they can run an ad on here. Mm. Oh, my God. Somewhere. Our podglomerate overlords are racing to cut out. I was part right. Of this show. Exactly. Exactly. You know what this is? <laughs> okay. That's Snyder's Pretzels at a store near you. What are you doing? You know, I should put a Snyder's ad at the start of the show. That was right, exactly, exactly. They know they know how to get in touch with the with our people. Okay, all right, all right. Let's get into our review. We get you all parched. Look at you all parched. You, know, you, won't, let me drink, you won't let me drink my drink on camera. <laughs> Hey, hey, Lynn, look, look, I'm drinking my water, but you'll notice the label is turned around. <laughs> I can't. Actually, my problem is that my, my, my drink is actually across the across the, the room. I forgot it. <laughs> well, that's a good point. You're so busy grabbing after pretzels. <laughs> Running to tell me about Angelica. <laughs> She's Miss Goldsberry to you. Anyway. Yes. um, Yes. (laughs) Let's get into our review of 1992's Serafina. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages.
Serafina, a 1992 musical drama film based on Mbongini, Mbongini's Nagima's 1987 musical of the same name. The film is about the lead character, Serafina, a young black South African struggling for freedom during apartheid. While she has remained relatively silent in her opposition of the racist government in her country, the movement to make the language of Afrikaans the official language in her school leads her to protest in the streets with her fellow students. Her anti-government views become even more intense when her favorite teacher is arrested for protesting. Serafina from 1992 stars John Kanai, Mbajeni Nagima, Miriam Makiba, Whoopi Goldberg, and introducing in her first film role, Lelikate Kumalo as the lead character, Serafina. This was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what do you have to say about Serafina? Oh, I got a lot to say about Serafina. Um, this was a 1992 stage production that I remember hearing a great deal about at the time. Well, the, the film is from 1992. I think the stage production is actually from a few years earlier. Um, and But I remember hearing a, a great deal about this stage production, this story of... Um, <clears throat> uh, 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 about these children in South Africa and, you know, being forced to, I think, learn African or uh, as a language um, in their schools. Um, I, 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 I may be misconstruing the story a, a little bit. Um, it, at the end of the day, they're being forced to do what they don't want to do. They're being forced to learn what they don't, do not want to learn, learn pretty much a bastardized version of African history of their of their country's history um and i remember people being being swept up by this stage performance um but i was probably at a young age where it wasn't it while i heard it it wasn't really on my radar or something that, that i wasn't you know going to be attracted to you know, it's like, oh, yeah, it sounds like it sounds dope. You're like, yeah, I'm proud of the people, whatever. Um, and I don't know why. I, I do remember the film when it came out. But for whatever reason, it just never came up, hit my radar. Now, I've learned why, going back into research as to why it didn't hit my radar. is because this movie came out around the same time as the uh, riots mm -hmm. of of 1992 um it was released on september 18th uh and it was you know it it it, it just got lost in the sauce you know what i mean it, it got lost at around the same time as the la riots in the wake of the rodney king beating and it's a movie that just got it 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 just got lost. There were more important things going on in the world for, especially for black people at that time. And, um, and that was the shame of the movie. Those that still did, did discover the movie fell in love with it again, fell in love with the music, um, of the film, which is amazing. The music of this film is amazing. All sung in its original language, 
all melodic, all sweeping, all very orchestral and um, uplifting. And the voices are heavenly in uh, in this movie. Like you can you cannot get caught up in the singing of the songs from Serafina. Right. You just you just can't. And I can see why this would be such a moving, sweeping experience on the stage. But what we are here to review is the film, the adaptation of this mute of this stage drama. And I think it's very interesting that we are doing this in not only in the wake of having just watched Hamilton, which is the film of a stage production, but we are not too far removed from reviewing Dreamgirls, which is another film adaptation of a stage musical, right? Um, and what Dreamgirls attempted to do was to take that story and to take what happens on that stage and build it out in front of you on screen and while taking advantage of everything that being in a filmed environment um, lends by way of doing close-ups and uh, changing the scenery quick, uh, quicker and lighting and, and, and it, uh, focusing your eye where we want it to be as opposed to in a stage production where you're, you know, you're just watching it widescreen and have to, you know, you're fixed to where you want. Um, and Dreamgirls does that. What Serafina, this, this film adaptation tries to do is to take this very serious subject that is being presented by these very earnest children, many of them first-time performers as well, just like we saw in Black Orpheus. Many of these children are first-time performers, very earnest, very heartfelt, very sincere in their line readings, comes off very naturalistic. They come off so naturalistically, the film... Uh, instead of trying to build up any sets or anything like that, they go actually and film it in Johannesburg. So it's now mm -hmm. it's filmed in location. So now we're taking you to, you know, as close to the belly of the beast as we can take you for, for this film. And then they take that to me, they take that realism a step too far because when it comes to depicting what these children are standing up against, the oppression that they are facing, the violence that is being put put upon these these children and these people. When it comes to presenting that in this film, there are absolutely no holds barred in this movie. Mm -hmm. And while I can... I can understand the desire to want to present that violence as it really is, you know, try to give you a true sense of what these these people are, are have been engaged uh, with what they are, what they're fighting against when it's done on a stage, you have to be a little bit more 
a, a little bit more uh, uh, choreographed about your violence. You have to be a little bit more um, creative in how you are depicting a young child get shot in the streets on the stage because one, you can't do it. You can't just shoot somebody on the on the stage and more often than not on stage especially in a musical it's not like you're going to be using squibs or anything like that you're going to you you're going to come off with some type of effect to get over the violence without being as graphic in the violence and i think the film Sarafina, at times leans in so much on the realism of the violence even when that is put up against the the uh, tenderness of these music, of these children singing, I think it it fights a battle tonally that really just feels it just it it just feels off. It just mm-hmm. it, it just really just like took me out of the film a little bit um it was just a little it it was the violence should be a gut punch it should be and it is but for it to be there in this musical with this uplifting music i don't think i think you can do that i think you can that gut punch can be presented it doesn't have to be presented so so realistically, I mean, there were times it would, dude. It was almost like a choir singing on top of like just some some documentary footage of children right. being shot, shot in the back in the streets, and and shoved into into vans and and electrocuted. And I mean, I it was just really, really hard, man. It was just. It, it it was I just found it very, very off putting, and as much as I want to enjoy that this film, as much as I want to celebrate Whoopi Goldberg lending her star status to right, get this right. film made, because the only reason right. this is made is because she made a deal with Walt Disney. I'll give you Sister Act two, get right. me into this movie so we can make this happen because this has right. to happen. So, and I yeah. want to celebrate her for for doing that. And I want to celebrate her for taking what is essentially you know, a cameo role in this film. She's in the film right. maybe 15 minutes whole and yeah. she's gone maybe. before maybe. before we're, you're like three quarters way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but her but her her impact on the film lasts throughout the movie. Don't get me wrong. She's yeah. her role she has a very vital role. I want to celebrate the 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 find that is uh Laletti Kumalo. Uh, uh, in the lead mm-hmm. role of Serafina, because she, it, you cannot take your eyes off of her. She is mesmerizing yeah. in this movie. Um, you feel her pain, you feel her joy, you feel her suffering, you feel her ambig- uh, um, ambiguousness uh, towards her mother, who is being who f- to do what she has to do for her kids, lives away from her kids as a a well, a. Yeah, a, yeah. a a a, a a a servant, you know, raising some 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 Afrikaners kid a, a, a ways away, you know, um, and and sending whatever dough she can back for for her children. 
you, you, I mean, Laletti Comalo is just you. Like I said, you can't take your eyes off of her in in this movie. Um, and I want to, I want to celebrate that man. But there were times when that 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 violence just just took me out of it, man. It just really, really made it hard for me to enjoy the movie, you know, especially because I don't even necessarily think that the film ends on that uplifting a note. And and I think you're kind of like, especially coming through the violence that you do, I think you're looking for some, something to kind of like just raise your spirits a little bit. And, and I just didn't, maybe it was just my spirits had sunk so low that they just couldn't right. raise up to the level that they wanted me to by the end of the film. Um, right. I, it, it, it just left me cold, man. I just, I, I did not have a good time watching this movie. I, I, I think... I think I come at it. I agree. Like I 100% agree with you about the tone. I, I come at it maybe from the opposite direction where in my mind, the violence doesn't take away from the musical numbers. The music in my mind takes away from the rest of the movie. Mm. Like I actually didn't need any of the music. And this, this is, this is, in my mind, a quintessential big studio black movie from the early 90s. Like, like this, this is very much in the realm of Driving Miss Daisy, uh, Clara's Heart, you, you know, these kind of films that, that, that are interested in depicting blackness and, and perhaps even depicting a level of, of struggle but doing it in a way that allows their white middle-class American audience to leave with clean hands, okay, to leave without okay. thinking about themselves. I, I think, I think this, this depiction of, of basically these are the, you know, the 1976 Soweto children's uprisings is, is done in such a way that, if you are an American, if you went and saw this, and, and I didn't see the play, I don't know how much different, I know this is different than the play, but but just this general storyline, you know, this very much seemed to me like something that people walked away going to get the soundtrack mm-hmm. without thinking about the movie itself. Uh, much like you, I think Laletti Kamalo is, is the brightest star on this screen and like you said you can't take your eyes off of her um whoopi goldberg I, I you can like you can tell i actually didn't know about that deal until you said it but i knew immediately that whoopi goldberg was doing somebody a solid right like like whoopi goldberg is is almost separate from this film like like she she has these couple of scenes as a teachers but you can tell that she's not really integrated into the storyline i i think the this story of of these kids getting shot and and these almost for the most part cartoonishly evil south african soldiers 
yeah, yeah. just just kind of simplifies it in a way that again, if if I went to the mall and I went to the theater at the at the mall in in you know any suburb America, nineteen ninety two, I can leave and go. Oh well, that's just awful. Well, that's just awful the way they treat those people. And what was fascinating to me about this film structurally, and when we talk about this tone, you can tell that there's a push and pull between, I suspect, the producers, you know, including Harvey Weinstein, and the writers, where they're trying to figure out, you know, basically what what we're talking about. Like, like is this a film about what's really what really happened or is this a film where we are you know, you know to circle back to our conversation with black orpheus where we're just going to kind of exoticize these black people in south africa where you know we've got the music i didn't get a chance to look it up like i don't know if if paul simon has trotted out lady smith black mbazo yet in 1992 but like it was that period where it was you know like if you worked at a record store, they had a section called World Music, where they just lumped all the brown people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and like there was a type of person that liked world music. And they mm-hmm. would go and they'd get Lady Smith Black Mombazo or you know, and then you know, it's African road songs. I mean, uh railroad songs and and they do the little stuff and I like the music, but then you have this very serious story happening. And it does. I think it collapses under this tension so that by the end, you don't know what really to do with it. And and yeah. it's a shame because this is a good cast. This is a good cast. Oh, yeah. Like we talked about Laletic Kamalo, but uh, John Kani as the principal of uh, the other students. Um, I just named him and, and I'm going to open this up to, to read his name to actually read uh, his name. Mbajini Nagima, who who actually is the, the playwright. Right. Who plays the, the black constable, Sabella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the most fascinating people on the screen. Um, In my mind, the movie that I wanted to see, you, you know, I say this all the time when I write these things down. When she does go to to visit her mother, in this nicer part of South Africa. And you get a hint of the complicated life that her mother has to live. And it's this great line where, where Serafina talks about, you know, her dad died in Mozambique and apparently he died as a revolutionary. And she says, you know, he died in glory. And her mother says, my children can't eat glory. Yeah. And it's yeah. this wonderful line. And I wrote my notes this is the movie right here. Like, this is the movie I want to see. Like, but the problem with the movie like that is that now that implicates a middle-class audience watching this. It's like, because you might have somebody who works for you. You might, you you know, like, 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 what is the cost of where you live? All the things that we talk about now in 2020, in 1992, you could tell this film was trying to avoid that kind of thought process. So ultimately what I left with is I wrote, this is a film that leaves the American audience with clean hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You said that that's the movie that you wanted to see. Cause I do remember 
having when that scene happens um and Serafina is, is telling her mother about, you know, how she it, she now realizes that she is a hero and they won't be singing songs for her. You know, like the whole movie, the whole movie, Serafina, and we got to remember this taking place, the, the story of it is taking place in the 70s. She is she is basically in her inner monologue that you're hearing kind of like in voiceover throughout the film. She's talking to Nelson Mandela who is at this time, you know, in prison. Um, right. And she, and, and, you know, she's talking to him almost like Christians talk to Jesus. Oh, when you come home, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, we want to be, uh, you know, and take care of your people and everything like that. And how she's, that's how she's speaking and relating her life to Nelson Mandela, who you have to imagine may be a person that she never even has, if any true memories of as long as he had been in prison at that, at that point. Right. Exactly. But then she comes to realize that, her mother's sacrifice is, is really the heroism that is on display right before her eyes. And it's her mother right. as a hero who won't have songs sung. You know, her mo- she doesn't have it. She's not having an inner monologue to a picture of her mother on her wall. And it's all hitting right. uh, home for her. And I, and I remember that being a very powerful moment. And one of the things that I read is that it makes sense that that's very powerful. There actually was a um, more to that scene. I believe there was actually a song from that scene that is not in the movie. Um, probably right. one for time, and also two for like you you mentioned, Vince. Uh, probably would all of a sudden leave people with a bad taste in their mouth of the implications, right? Uh, behind those words um so yeah that was real powerful moment dominique dominique wrote us saying that she was probably 13 when she saw the film it kind of hit her hard because of her age had to wrap her mind around what was happening i think today i think they tried to use the music to soften the the violence it could have had a better balance pretty much uh echoing yeah yeah, but and film. you know even that part, like like even even the end where sh- where where there is this huge thing with the gun and 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 Whoopi Goldberg's character says we don't want the violence and and they throw the gun away and it is in in my mind it almost like I didn't like the way by the end the film pitted her mother against revolutionaries mm. Be- okay. because. Be- because uh, again, this look, man. You got look. Nobody gets stuff without breaking things. I don't know why I got all dark in here. I guess the the light went out. Like I just noticed. Yeah, I, 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 I just noticed. <laughs> I just just like I just looked at myself and I'm like, why is it so dark in here? And it's like I guess the sun's going down. Um, <laughs> I hope that's. But it. again, <laughs> <laughs> but again, for an audience. This is a surprise, ladies and gentlemen. Vince is coming to us live from the attic where Anne Frank was. <laughs> I think um, the audience is uncomfortable with this depiction of violence and with anything that would any any 
any aspect of the film that looks like it was justifying the violence. I, I think in my mind, one of the more interesting complications was the fact that Serafina was involved in the murder of the constable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like she didn't like she you know, she didn't hear about it. This wasn't some other character. This was her. But in my mind, that kind of deepened and enriched her characterization. But, but you know, as you said, by the end of the film, they kind of pull up and say, oh, you, you know, love and peace. And now here's a dance mm-hmm. number. Yeah. Yeah. Trying um, to turn the light on or something. Yeah, you got to do something, Vince. I mean, what's happening, man? All of a sudden, I'm doing the show. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Hold on. Well, now hold on. I guess you can't say hold on. I said no, we'll, hold on. We'll wait for you, bro, because we're losing you. Keep, it, keep talking, Lynn. Keep I, talking. I, keep talking. Like, imagine, hey, Lynn, imagine it's me and you taping and we don't have a camera on us, and one of us does this. Yes. And yeah. then the other one jumps up. Literally sitting here doing a, a show with Vince's beard all of a sudden. It's just, Throwing the dark. So what does he do? He turns on the light all the way behind him. That'll actually do nothing for him. Um, that guy teaches this guy YouTube 101. You got to get a light in front of you. Hey man, I'm not in. I'm not where I usually tape. I'm. I'm doing. I'm at. It's an away game. You need to be happy that it's as good as it is. <laughs> We're an hour plus in, and nothing has fallen over. <laughs> okay, bro. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Robert. So, yeah. Robert you were Monroe. supposed to keep talking. I was talking. <laughs> uh, Robert Monroe says darkness is spreading. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. But, yeah, this, this is just really a relic of the 90s to me. It's, it it's is. just really a relic of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to be able to come here and say, oh, man, this is like a slept on gem. People should, you know, if you haven't discovered Serafina, you need to go back and rewatch this film. Um, and I and on all good consciousness, I can't. I, I, I will celebrate the soundtrack. I'll, I'll celebrate the stage musical, the stage, um, the cast recording. Go grab that. Listen to that ad infinitum and and have yourself a glory, glorious time. Um but I don't believe you need to run back to, to this film. I'm sorry. You know what? In full disclosure, like I want to love the movie. Like I mentioned Lady Smith, Black Mombazo, and, and I have to say that like Pier One and A Thousand Villages and all those kind of stores and like the suburbs have almost ruined this music for me. Okay. Because it's kind of happy and 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 you know it's it's like always say like I didn't listen to Fela Kuti for years because I thought it was going to sound like this and then you know Fela coming with them horns and them drums and it's like oh all right this this is a little different Mm -hmm. they're not going to be playing this at Pier One but um you know there's a very talented cast uh the music is very well done. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is your thing, this is your thing. But uh, much like you, I, I think the film is is one you can skip. I do, and honestly, I think if you're going, like, and we talked about it before we turned on the microphones. As much as I wanted to champion this film, and I can't, um, there's a film that that's come out within the last few years that probably has the similar sheen to it 
as far as um, what is a story that is trying to make palatable to uh, for white people in America, but for whatever reason, I just f- feel that its heart is in its right place and it's better done and more respectful mm-hmm. to the environments in which the story is set. And that's the Queen of Cotway. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And I would just as soon as people go out and check out that film uh, and again, be wrapped up in some mesmerizing performances um, with some very young children um, bolstered by um, Lapita Nwango and David Oyelio. Um, just a fabulous, fabulous uh, film. Don't let the Walt Disney picture icon in the beginning uh, fool you. They had to do what they had to do to get this film made. But right. it, 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 is a, it is a movie worth championing and a movie worth seeing. And I'm, I'm curious now that I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up. I'm wondering if it's on Disney Plus. And if it's not, it, Disney, y'all need to listen. Y'all dropped Hamilton on this. this will be a night, that would be a great double play with Hamilton. I am pretty sure it is. It is? Okay, great. Yeah, I'm like great. 70%, 80% sure that it is. I feel like when we were going through, I, I saw it. And I made note of it, so. I agree. Yeah, check that out. Check that out. That's my recommendation. I can't recommend right. Serafina. I can recommend Queen of Katway. Go check that out. I agree. I agree. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. All right, before we tell you what we're going to watch next week here on the Me Show Mission, I invite you to send all of your feedback. Email us at the Me Show Mission at Me Show Mission at gmail.com. Me Show spell M I C H E A U X M I W S I O N. Me Show Mission at gmail.com like and follow us on all the social medias that means instagram facebook twitter it don't it don't even matter it's all me show mission join the me show mission facebook group subscribe to us on youtube subscribe to the me show mission podcast wherever you listen to podcasts whether it be on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher radio google play it doesn't matter wherever you find podcasts you'll find the me show mission subscribe Listen, enjoy, give us a five-star rating, and if, if you're so inclined, a review, because wherever you put it, that helps people find our show, all right? And the Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate Curated Podcast for your listening pleasure. Go to thepodglomerate.com for all the deets. The Michelle Mission is also available in an edited form, as a radio show here in the city of brotherly love every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM Philly Cam People Power Media here in the city of Philadelphia. And you can check us out every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Wake up with the Michelle Mission on 91.7 FM WKDU, the voice of Drexel University. Okie dokie. Smoky Vince, next week, yes, it's sir. Your turn, it's your turn to select. It the is film my turn. We will be watching. What are we going to be watching? Yes, well, Lynn, as you and I have talked about, God willing, and the crick don't rise, we will try to join one another for the first time in months. Oh man, I got in the same pants. physical space. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, you do. And and all jokes aside, I'm I'm excited about that. Like I'm excited about the fact that that we'll get to tape 
in the same room together. And I think it is a bit of a celebration. Okay. And I am one that likes to celebrate. Like I like to go ahead and, and, you know, take down a nice bottle if we are going to celebrate. And in this case, the nice bottle is one of one of our top shelf films. And there's a film that we have talked about for years that we haven't done because, you know, it's like the night it's the top shelf film. And and the, the filmmaker made a, a film that is a Michelle Mission favorite, so much so that we have talked about it not only on an episode, but you and I did a talk back in mm-hmm. Bryn Mawr. Over you, a free bit, and that would, of course, be Charles Charles Burnett's uh, "To Sleep with Anger." Yes, but Charles Burnett's first film is a classic film. It is a film that is well regarded. It is, frankly, a hole in our collection. So next week, in honor of of us being in the same place at the same time, and in honor of of that celebration. We're going to do 1977's A Killer of Sheep. No! Okay. <laughs> We're going to do A Killer of Sheep. I mean, Killer of Sheep. Not A Killer of Sheep. Killer of Sheep. Okay. All right. Cool. I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So you got to put pants and a shirt on. <laughs> we'll see we're gonna do some film criticism <laughs> <laughs> alright ladies and gentlemen there you go uh, until next week he's Vince I'm Len and in parting we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.